بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صل على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم أما بعد We were discussing the inner secrets and inner etiquettes of recitation of Quran Imam Al-Ghazali rahimahullah has mentioned there's five inner aspects to the recitation of Quran The first one he gave us an advice regarding a type of meditation before we start our recitation And that is thinking of whose kalam we are reciting So we're about to read the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala If we only understood how great that aspect is So he went through kind of a guided meditation What we're supposed to be thinking about before we start our qira'ah in our recitation That was the first out of five The second was that we recite the Qur'an While if we're capable of doing so understanding the meanings So if we understand the Arabic language We should while reading understand and comprehend what we're reading It's just like any other type of recitation It's actually more in depth But whenever we read anything we have to comprehend If we're not going to comprehend what we're reading It defeats the purpose so this is also one of the major purposes of the Qur'an to understand it, of course. It is the ma- most major aspect of recitation. This doesn't mean that if we don't know Arabic, we shouldn't recite the Arabic Qur'an. We should still, but also have a translation nearby and you know, look at that from time to time. That's where we left off in the last class. Today he starts with the third out of five etiquettes of the, the spiritual aspect of recitation. He says, الثالث, أن تجتني في تدبرك ثمار المعرفة من أغصانها. He says, he speaks poetically, he says, When you are thinking about the Qur'an, take from the fruits of ma'rifah, from its, from its branches. So he says, take the fruits of knowledge from its branches. What he's referring to is something very deep. And... Those of you who were here in the very beginning when we talked about this book, we discussed that this book is actually a addendum to another book. But he, he said that it's so large that you can separate it into another book. So his students actually did that. So the book that this was an addendum to was uh, Jawahir al-Quran. Jawahir al-Quran is a book in which Imam al-Ghazali talks about themes in the Quran. He says every verse has a certain theme to it. So there's certain major themes, about five or six, and all of the verses of the Qur'an is going to fit in one of those themes. So here he's referring back to that original idea that the Qur'an has certain themes. So when you're reciting, of course, you, we should try our best to understand. There are certain things that we should take away from each of these types of themes from the Qur'an. When we recite the relevant ayahs, then we take away certain things. That's what he's referring to here. وَتَقْتَبِسَهَا مِنْ أَوْطَانِهَا وَلَا تَطْلُبِ التِّرْيَاقَ مِنْ حِيثُ تَطْلُبُ مِنْهُ الْجَوَاهِرِ He says, you should take things from where they come from. Take things from where they come from. Do not seek a cure where you are supposed to seek a gem. He's going to explain what he's talking about. So he's saying there are some ayahs in the Qur'an which will give you a type of cure. There are some ayahs of the Qur'an which are certain types of gems. 
So when you're reciting a particular ayah, and that ayah is, for instance, a gem. This is his terminology that he uses in the other book. So if you're trying to seek a cure from the place where you're supposed to seek a gem, then you're going to be at fault. Like you, you won't be taking the proper benefit from Qur'an. This third benefit is actually very intricate, very deep. You would have to have the second one, which is understanding the Qur'an to fully understand this one. But we're going to read through it, inshallah, so we can see what Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah is saying. Do not seek gems where you're supposed to be seeking uh, misk or musk and oud and, and uh, a fragrance. So he's saying in general, when someone's a miner, for instance, like someone who mines things, they will seek that stuff in a mine. So for instance, if you're seeking uh, gold, silver, or any type of gem, the place to seek that is underground. And if you're seeking fragrance, and you're, he says misk and oud, misk is a uh, type of fragrance, it's musk, and oud is also a type of fragrance, oud as well, it's called. So he says when you seek those things, don't, don't go underground, because oud comes from a tree, and misk comes from a, a deer. So seek things where they are sought, right? Take things from where they belong. Don't seek fragrance underground, and don't seek gems above ground. He's giving you an example. And this is going to lead to what I said. And each ayah has a certain uh, benefit that we can take from it. So understand which benefit belongs to which ayah. And then seek that. Every fruit has a branch. And every gem has a mine. So things belong in places. You're not going to find a diamond hanging on a tree. And you're not going to find an apple underneath the ground. So do not seek apples underground and do not seek gems on top of trees. That's what he's saying. He says, This will become easier for you to understand when you understand the 10 types that he mentioned. So in Jawahir al-Quran, he mentions 10 types of benefits that we can get from the Quran. He says these are 10 minds. So in the Quran, you have 10 types of minds. It's a very spiritual point that he's mentioned. Uh, So when you read, for instance, an ayah talking about the warnings of Jahannam, you're supposed to feel something from that. So that's one category. When you recite the ayahs talking about the attributes of Allah, the sifat, and the asma of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that's another mind. You're supposed to take something from that. So everything in the Qur'an, he's broke it down into ten different categories. فَمَنْ يَتَعَلَّقُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ بِاللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَبِصْلِفَاتِهِ وَأَفْعَالِهِ فَاقْتَبِسْ مِنْهُ مَعْرِفَةَ الْجَلَالِ وَالْعَظَمَةِ He's going to give examples of these. When you're reading the Qur'an and you come across a subject matter which discusses the attributes of Allah, His sifat, attributes, His actions, aspects of Allah. For instance, in Surah Fatiha, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. These are the names of Allah and these are the attributes of Allah. Rahma, you know, mercy, this is the attribute of Allah. So this will fall under this category. So when you read those types of verses in the Qur'an, take from that, the understanding of grandeur and greatness of Allah. So when you say Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, you should feel the greatness of Allah. So this is what he's saying. Your condition should reflect your understanding of the Quran. So point number two was 
understand the Qur'an. Point number three is built on top of that. When you have the understanding, let it affect you. And he's going to talk about how they affect you. So number one is that you know you feel the grandeur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَنْ يَتَعَلَّقُ بِالْإِرْشَادِ إِلَى الطَّرِيقِ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ فَاقْتَبِسْ مِنْهُ مَعْرِفَةَ الرَّحْمَةِ وَالْعَطْفِ وَالْحِكْمَةِ When you're reciting verses and they discuss guidance, right, things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides us with, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us what is the truth and reality, it puts you on the sirat mustaqim. Then from those verses you should feel, you should gain a feeling from that, which is understanding the rahmah of Allah. He's been very kind to us because He's guiding us. He doesn't have to. You should take from that the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You should take from that the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So every time we read verses that talks about, let's say in Surah Fatiha has all of these. إِهْدِنَا uh, mustaqim. We're making a dua to Allah, guide us to the straight path. So being thankful for the fact that we have been guided or that the guidance is there for us to take. So understand from this that Allah loves you. And Allah has a great amount of wisdom And that Allah is merciful upon His creation So you're not just comprehending the Qur'an You're taking something away from it Your heart is being affected by it There's other verses that talk about destruction And how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has destroyed His enemies and those who rejected the message and stories about those who uh, were enemies to the Anbiya. So when you read those type of stories, you read those types of verses that talk about punishment, then understand from it, take from it the izza of Allah, the grandeur of Allah, the might, wal istighna, and Allah's independence. Know that Allah doesn't need me. He can destroy me just as He has destroyed previous nations and previous people and His enemies. Wal qahri, and understand that Allah is overwhelming. He overwhelms everyone. No one can overpower Allah. Allah overpowers others. But tajabbur, understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the, the king and he oversees everything and nothing escapes his power. So when you read these types of verses, there's a level of fear and a level of uh, reverence, of course, but more, more so on the side that, you know, I cannot uh, hide from Allah. Allah knows everything that I'm doing. He can easily destroy me. So a type of fear. Right. Khauf. The verses which deal with the Anbiya alayhi salatu So many stories throughout the Quran. Even surahs named after Anbiya. So we have surah of Nuh alayhi salam, Yusuf, Yunus, many various different Anbiya alayhi salatu salam. Interesting thing is uh, The most commonly mentioned Nabi in the Quran Is Musa alayhi salam But he doesn't have a surah called Musa But there's Taha There's uh, Qasas Very in depth regarding Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam But no, no surah called Musa But there's Nuh There's Yunus, Yusuf Hud So he says when you read these stories Then get from it The, the kindness of Allah the grace of Allah, the fact that He gives ni'mas, he, he helps people. Fadal, this like, you know, Fadal is also a type of grace, but Lutf means like a very soft kindness, and Fadal is grace. Karam, generosity. So when you're reading the stories of the Anbiya, just feel that Allah is very generous. 
He's created these perfect individuals who managed to avoid sin, never sinned, and, and uh, they've attained the, the love of Allah. So He can do that with us too. Not in the sense that we're, we're going to become a Nabi and we're going to be infallible, but in the sense that that type of kindness and care that He has granted them is the same Allah. It's not a different Allah that we worship. The same Allah who has been kind to the Anbiya, He can be kind to us as well. So taking that away from the ayah. Like once the Qur'an is closed, you have this with you in your heart. And he says, so he just gave you a few examples. He says there's 10 altogether uh, that he mentions in Jawahir al-Qur'an. So maybe one day we can discuss Jawahir al-Qur'an or summarize it in, a, in another dars insha'Allah. But here is, he just gives a few examples of that. Other examples will include like fear of Qiyamah, hope in Jannah, fear of Jahannam, those kind of things. So this is, if you, we can summarize this point, point number one was pre-recitation, a meditation to get you into the zone. Point number two was comprehension. And point number three, we can call it the emotion behind recitation. So you feel what, what the Qur'an is giving you. He says, don't look at all the ayahs the same. They're not all the same. They're all the same in the sense they came from Allah. All of the ayahs in the Quran, they came from Allah. But what you can take from each ayah is different. They differ. And so through this, a person can transform through the barakah of Quran. Because you're reciting it, you're taking emotions out. I was reading a, one of, an advice of, of an uh, elder scholar. He was saying, don't worry if you cannot retain what you get from speeches. Oftentimes we attend these bayan speeches, muhadarat gatherings. And then they're, they're speaking about some in-depth stuff or they speak about a lot of information. So a lot is given. He says, don't worry if you can't grasp all of it. This doesn't mean that we can be you know, just sleeping in the back. We have to pay attention. But his point is, sometimes you don't retain information, but he says you retain the hal. And the hal is the effect that you received. So the athar, or what, what happened to you, that can remain even if you don't remember. For instance, you go to a speech, the, the, the wa'ils, the, the shaykh, gave such an amazing speech. In the speech, you're like, I'm, I'm not going to do this sin again, because he's talking about a particular sin. Afterward, you go home, and then you know, your family member says, okay, what was the bayan about? I was like, I don't know, but it was really good. But when it comes time to do the sin, you're like, wait, I don't want to do it. You feel something preventing you from doing the sin. That's the athar of the speech. Even though you can't remember it, there is an athar, there's an effect. So that's the real thing that we should be trying to attain. You know, sometimes we get hung up on all of the academia and trying to write down the notes, which is good. Alhamdulillah, writing the notes is very good. Because then you get to retain the athar and you get to retain the knowledge. But the main thing we should take away is the, the change that occurs in our hearts. Same thing with the Qur'an. Sometimes it's very difficult to retain all of the, the verses, what Allah Ta'ala is saying, the change from one dialogue to another. As long as we can get the athar from the Qur'an, that I felt fear of Allah, I felt mercy and love of Allah, I, I felt His generosity, <coughs> then we leave that recitation, that session of recitation, we leave it with something, and we've just progressed spiritually. So this is a very intricate point that he's mentioning. He says, um, there's more of these jawahir. He calls these jawahir. He has his own terminology about how to break the types of verses of Qur'an up. 
He says, وَشَرْحُ ذَلِكَ يَطُولُ He's not going to go too deep into it. The commentary of this is going to be long. Okay. So, inshallah, I think we can pause here today. This was the uh, third point. The next point, inshallah, that we're going to do is, he's going to teach us and show us those things that prevent us from faham, from understanding. Basically, this, this emotional aspect of Qur'an is, is the essence. Like, if we can take this from the Qur'an, our life will change. Absolutely. This is what Allah Ta'ala talks about that, أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ Quran. Don't they ponder over the Qur'an? So Allah asks this in the Qur'an, that don't people ponder? Because pondering over the Qur'an will change our lives. Now, he's going to mention next time, what are those things that prevent pondering? Meaning, prevent comprehension so that you cannot take that emotion from the Quran and he says you need to step away from those things and you know uh, control them in your life and so that you don't get prevented from it and then there's the last one inshallah we'll discuss that so he goes in quite some depth in comparison to the other chapters when it comes to Quran because you know Quran is the foundation and there, there's much to be had uh, it's a spiritual feast Allah has given us so we can spiritually eat and grow and, and get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We'll pause here, inshallah, and then I'll say a few words regarding the, the 15th of Sha'ban, inshallah. Sallallahu tabaraka ta'ala ala khiri khalqi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Rahmatika ya rahman rahmin. Alhamdulillah, I don't know who, but Imam Sahib requested me, a brother was asking about the 15th of Sha'ban. So I believe that's going to be tomorrow, right now, as we can see, it's the 14th of Sha'ban. I checked Chicago Hilal, so the website. We're in, you know, in Chicago they, they check the moon sighting So they say it's the 14th tonight So that means tomorrow night Is going to be the 15th of Sha'ban According to that moon sighting Then the, the day that follows Is going to be the 15th day of Sha'ban So in, in Islamic calendars We have the night Preceding the day So you get the, the 14th night And 14th day is tomorrow And then after Maghrib Is going to be the 15th night tomorrow so there are plenty of ahadith that have uh, been recorded regarding the, the 15th of Sha'ban. Uh, there's many names that have been given, but in the hadith it's called Laylatul Nism in Sha'ban. Culturally, in many different cultures, I believe it has a Farsi uh, background, what they call it Shabe Barat. Shabe Barat. So Shabe Barat is, uh, or they just say Shabe Barat. It literally means, Shab means night in Farsi. The Farsi language Barat means uh, salvation So it means the night of salvation So that is where we, we get this phrase from And this phrase actually has some backing from Ibn Abbas In one tafsir he, he says Laylatul uh, Bara'a I believe it's Ibn Abbas I'll double check but I believe it's him who said it He nicknamed the night Laylatul Bara'a and the reason is Laylatul Bara'a means the night of salvation The reason is there are plenty of ahadith Some are da'if, some are hasan Some are even sahih So we have authentic hadith on the virtue of the night uh, I'm just going to paraphrase I don't have it memorized right now Where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, He was performing Salatul Tahajjud And Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha was sleeping And then she woke and she saw that he wasn't at home So she started looking around Where did he go She was worried She didn't find him in the masjid And then she started looking around in Medina And she saw Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam In the graveyard 
where the Muslims are buried. He was making dua for those who had passed away in Badr and Uhud, etc. And um, that was on the Laylatul Nism in Sha'ban. So he told Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha that um, on this night Allah Ta'ala forgives a lot of people. And in another narration, it could have been the same narration or another version. Where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, this, In this night Allah Ta'ala forgives people equal to the amount of the hairs on the sheep of Banu Kalb. Banu Kalb was a very large tribe. Very large uh, amount, perhaps thousands of people. And of course they had a lot of sheep. Usually you have more sheep than people. So the amount of hairs and fleece that they have, Allah Ta'ala will forgive that many people. So it's a quite large amount. So it's, it's a night of Allah Ta'ala's generosity. Um, so we should uh, avail ourselves of some ibadah inshallah of course just performing Salatul Maghrib Salatul Isha and Jama'ah that's a huge ibadah in itself and then performing the Salatul Fajr in Jama'ah it will be as if the whole night was spent in ibadah so we can do that maybe recite a few pages of Quran do some adhkar um, tahajjud of course dua and inshallah we beg Allah Ta'ala for his forgiveness so it can be seen as a pre-Ramadan cleansing, inshallah. This is uh, two weeks out before Ramadan, so it's just simply two weeks before Ramadan. And we can gain Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness and His mercy. Now, there's a lot of uh, innovations that occur on this night because of the virtue. Many people, they do certain things to um, you know, make it more grand. What we're taught is that Allah forgives. This is what is in the hadith. Allah forgives on this night. So of course, there's a connotation. You know, when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is saying that Allah Ta'ala is forgiving on this night, it means do some ibadah, seek the forgiveness. Right? That's, that's what it means. But some people will uh, perhaps have special meals or they will um, have various different things. A special ibadah that they make up for the night. Yeah, some halwa, some sweets that are passed out. So these are, if, if the sweet is passed out due to the night, then unfortunately it becomes a bid'ah, right? If it's due to the night, why? What a bid'ah or an innovation, we've heard this term before, it means adding something new to Islam that wasn't there. So a bid'ah is basically, if you consider something part of Islam that is not part of Islam. So I'll give you two scenarios. Someone on every Wednesday night, he gives halwa. This is his habit. Every Wednesday, it's the middle of the week, he has some extra halwa, he makes it, he gives it to the, his whole family. On Shabi Barat, he did the same thing. He did not do a bid'ah. He didn't do a bid'ah. He does it every Wednesday. That's just his habit. Another person never gives halwa to anyone in their whole life, except for when someone gets married or Shabi Barat. So this person, what he's doing is, because it's Shabi Barat, because Laylatul Nism in Shaban, he believes that if I give some sweets to people, I will get a certain reward, or this is something recommended on this night. So he's attaching a certain virtue uh, to this night, Islamically speaking. So there's a big difference between the two. One is okay, it's completely fine, even having meals with the family, if it's your habit. But if you're only doing it because of that virtue of the, the night, then it's, it's a fabrication. You don't get any kind of real reward from it. I mean, you get a reward, but because you're saying that it's a part of deen, it becomes a sin, actually. Innovations are very serious because we, we try to retain the, the pristine nature of Islam. And so this kind of halters that. Right? 
Um, and so we should avoid those things. Personal ibadah by ourselves in solitude, that's the best thing. Right? A gathering, uh, having a big speech and doing uh, ibadah together. We could see some khayr in it, of course, but you know this is not what Nabi Wasallam did. The Sahaba didn't do it. So we should avoid it. Personal ibadah by ourselves. That's what we should do. So there is definitely virtue that is found in this uh, night. We find it in the hadith. As for everything extra, we should avoid those things, inshallah. So that's just you know what we can do, inshallah. So many things, the dhikr, recitation. You can even give in sadaqah, like, you know, secretly. There's so many avenues, you just go online and pay something. The, the key is seeking Allah's forgiveness. Whatever you can do to seek His forgiveness, then we can do that. Because He's very generous on this night. So that's basically what it is. And we seek Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness. A pre-Ramadan cleansing so we can enter Ramadan already purified. And then get even more uh, nur from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during.